Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. This is episode 74, and if it's not, then the right number will be reflected in the title, and that's my bad. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. How are you doing this morning, John? I am doing well, and I hope you're doing well, despite the fact that you're doubting your counting skills already. Yeah, it's, you know, it's early in the morning on a weekend, and when I say early in the morning, it's not actually early in the morning, but it is a weekend, so I've shut my brain off, but I'm turning it back on, because we have things to talk about uh, in regards to the Devils, and of course... We start the episode when there's no hockey season by checking in with some prospects playing around the world. And the prospect we've been checking in with the most is Jaeger Sharangovich. And Jaeger potted two more goals since our last podcast to bring him to 17 goals in 31 games in this uh, KHL season so far. That's right. He is tied with Alexei Makiev um, for second in the league, which is remarkable. He can. Do you like wraparounds? I Dan? love wraparounds. Well, <laughs> then you love Yegor Sharangovich because at least three of those seventeen goals are. Wrapped. I'm not sure how I'm supposed um, to answer that, but I. You know what? I'm going to go with I love them. <laughs> yes, but but Sharangovich is on fire. He is shooting at a remarkable nineteen percent. Uh, yeah, that's I think the highest is is an entire career. Um, so this is not. To, I'm not trying to pour rain on the parade. It's you know maybe we don't put a lot of money on the fact he's going to do this forever and ever. But he is among the league leaders in the second best league in the world in goals. Yeah. And and he is leading his team because that is a bit of a competition because Brandon Cozen, who has 15 goals in 24 games, is fifth in the league yeah. in goals. So so he is he is ahead in – they're scoring goals in me. Yeah. And he and, and Sharangovich is leaving way. And you'll love to see And again, it. we talked last week about, you know, how much uh, puck luck factors into things like shooting percentage. We talked about how um, whatever luck that Hughes lost, Brett seemed to find. And it seemed that Jaeger Sharangovich has found the luck of every single Devils prospect that exists uh, all at once to shoot at 19%. And of course, you and I know that's not sustainable, but you'd rather see the goals go in than not. So, you know, when he's shooting 19%, but he is at this very, very high watermark, even with regression, he should still be at a very more than acceptable number for uh, the type of prospect he is and where he fits in the devil system. Even if you, uh, you know, were to adjust for a normal shooting percentage, he'd still have a fair amount of goals, which is also a good sign in the KHL. So, um, Oh, absolutely. Good stuff from Jaeger there. And of course, another loan has been terminated as Nick Merkley makes his return back to North America. And this is someone with a pretty strong chance to make the bottom six of this team, I'd say. Absolutely. Uh, Merkley, you know, did look pretty decent, if not good, if not very good in spots in four games with the Devils, New Jersey Devils, of course, last season. And um, he went to Asat. In the Finnish Liga, he was the only North American player to be loaned out, as far as I could tell. And he put up 13 points in 19 games and played uh, a regular role for the Finnish team. Um, So he is coming back. Now, the fact that he's coming back is not necessarily a sign that the league is starting anytime soon, which is what I thought when Bokefist was Mm -hmm. recalled. Because Liga is currently on hold right now (laughs) due to a rising number of positive COVID cases and the Finnish uh, Hockey Federation and the Finnish League of People uh, came to the conclusion that they can't have games without fans and have it financially be viable. So they're paused until December 19th. And if you figure if the NHL is going to restart sometime in January, which we have a little more to say about in a little bit, um, that means your camp is likely going to be towards the end of December or you need your players to come back by then. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for Merkley to hang out in Finland doing mm-hmm. nothing. So they they ended it um, this past week, and I would say the loan went Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, and that also factors into what you were saying just now in terms of the timeline for the return of the NHL. And we had... I, I wouldn't even call this news. It's it's that weird type of news that Pierre Lebrun likes to give where he's purposefully vague about things he definitely knows but either isn't allowed to share yet or is uh, dressing up to think that, <laughs> to make it seem like more is actually happening than is. And 
in that very confusing sentence, the main information you should take from it is that the NHL and NHLPA have indeed been in contact with each other about working out the financials of returning the season. There's a lot of things floating around like a 56-game season, 52-game uh, season, either starting on January 1st or mid-January. It's looking more likely to be mid-January from a logistics perspective at this point, but uh, there is some hope. It's not entirely gone, but it's... It's been a tough negotiation, to say the least. Right. I mean, the contentious part is obviously the financial aspect. I think the owners realize that the deal they signed back in the summer ahead of the return to play format, back when we said we had labor peace in our time, they realize, I think they were banking on the fact that things would be more more normal than they are yeah. right now. <laughs> that instead of hearing, you know, various counties like Santa Clara County straight up banning contact sports for mm. a month. For all all levels, not even just youth levels or amateur levels, but also professional levels. Um, Santa Clara County being the home of the San Jose Sharks. That's the NHL connection. And obviously, Santa Clara County is also the home of the San Francisco 49ers. And if the county is telling the NFL that they can't have games there, you, you can be <laughs> sure they don't mind telling the NHL you're not going to have any games there anytime right. soon. Um, and given that cases all across the country in various different parts are not only um, – higher than expected, but also the responses are just widely inconsistent. I mean, again, Santa Clara County is banning contact sports, but that's not necessarily the case in Los Angeles County. Um, you can tell me why that makes sense at another point on another podcast, because mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to me, but we're not going to get into that. We're going to get into the hockey. And the hockey matter is that, um, you know, if they're aiming for a January 15th uh, start date, because the financials can't be so far apart that they're not willing to talk about mm -hmm. schedule. So that's a positive side. So if they're talking about January 15th and you have to work backwards, you, you can't expect the players to want to do training camp during Christmas because it's Christmas and Boxing Day and the id and, and, and you know, Hanukkah and, you know, every other holiday under mm -hmm. the sun. Um, so you figure camp's going to be at the start of January, meaning if you're someone like Ryan, I'm sorry, Nick Merkley, not Ryan, <laughs> but it probably applies to Ryan as well. I always mix the two up. One day I'll learn them. <laughs> but Nick Merkley, if you want Nick Merkley to be prepared for camp, that means you need to get him back into North America in quarantine uh, ahead of the beginning of January. And since Liga is not performing right now, it makes perfect sense to bring him mm -hmm. back. So I'm still holding out some hope that we're going to have an NHL season starting uh, next month in some capacity. But, um, of course... Plans are subject and to And an interesting wrinkle, there's also, um, you know, possibilities emerging for certain teams uh, who have petitioned to play some of their home games outside to be able to maintain the COVID protocols. And these teams right. include the Penguins, the Bruins, the Kings, the, the Panthers. Uh, it seems like Minnesota's inquired about it. And that has its own interesting implications because, as we know, the Stadium Series and the Winter Classic are a big deal for the NHL, both marketing-wise and, you know, gate-wise. They do pretty well at those outdoor games. And it kind of takes away some of the novelty if the home teams are playing outside every single game. But if it's just for this season, I don't really see anything wrong with it from a safety perspective, other than the fact that it'll be extremely cold um, in places like Boston and Pittsburgh. I mean, LA, I can see it. And um, it plays, maybe somewhere like Dallas can pull it off. But I don't know why anyone would go to Fenway Park, for example, in the middle of January or the middle of February to watch a Bruins game from really, really, really far away. Well, that's assuming, again, that the state will allow you to go to that's Fenway also true. Park to view those yes. games. I mean, in the state of New Jersey, where we currently are oh. in, for those of you who don't know, you we're don't in New say. Jersey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Dan, Dan and I are recording this in New Jersey. We both live in New Jersey. We're not expats from New Jersey. No longer. We're, we are New Jerseyans. <laughs> Right. No longer. Um, you know, our governor stated that outdoor gatherings uh, are limited to 25 people. Yeah. Well, you obviously can't have a hockey game outside based right. on that unless they get some type of an exception. So I don't know what the rules are in Massachusetts or Minnesota or Pennsylvania about outdoor gatherings, but it may be, you know, just to get the games off um, as opposed to getting fans there. So but. I applaud the NHL for at least trying to be creative, at least with these, you know, instead of just going, we need to be in arenas, we need to have fans or we're not going to have hockey, which I understand. I understand why um, 
I mean, hockey is a gate-driven league more so than, say, the NBA or the NFL. But, you know, you have to be creative in these uh, difficult times. Yep. And in in the interest of being creative in difficult times, we're going to do some creative roster work now. You, you like that one? Yes. Good, yes, good, good. very good. And so we're going to go back to the question we got last week that we acknowledged on the podcast. And, John, if you could refresh us on what that question was just to inform our next discussion, because we wanted to allocate a lot of time um, to this question because we thought it was a particularly good one and something that we hadn't talked about in a long time. So go ahead and uh, let us know what was asked. Right. So for the past month or so, you know, we've been primarily talking about the top 25 under 25. Well, Bill Trot asked, you touched on the prospects. Where do you think the veterans fit in, if at all, moving forward? Who stays, who goes to build for the future? Some interesting decisions to be made. And he specifically referenced Gusev, Palmieri, and Zajac. So my interpretation of the question is, well, we talked about the under 25 players. Let's talk about the players over <laughs> the age of 25. And um, if you look at the roster at like Cap Friendly or NHL numbers, you'll find that, well, Tom Fitzgerald has a lot of flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> so so I figure let's rapid fire through some of the um, – some of the names, and then we, you know, we'll talk a little more in depth about Gusev, Palmieri, Zajac, and maybe some other over 25 player or 25 and older players, mm -hmm. I should say, uh, that are on the roster. I mean, we're not going to necessarily talk about Ben Street or Matt Tennyson or Scott Wedgwood. They're minor leaguers. They're call ups mm -hmm. at best, if if they're called up at all. So, they're 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 we technically covered them. <laughs> let's 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 start from the net out, right. man. So, Corey Crawford. He is signed on for the next two seasons. Uh, this is very intentional because this season was going to be weird no matter what happened. And so uh, let's just say for all practical purposes, he signed on for one full season as a mentor to Mackenzie Blackwood and to stabilize the Devils goaltending situation. He's not going anywhere. No, and he's on a 35-plus contract, so no one's going to trade for that. He's he's here through the end of his contract. Yep, sounds good to me. Easy. Okay, let's go to the defense. Okay, on the defensive end, we have someone who graduated from the top 25 under 25 list in Will Butcher. Let's start with him. He has uh, sure. one more year. Oh, no, he has two more years left on his contract before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And uh, he's someone who had a very strong start to his career and then uh, a not-so-good year like everyone else. So it kind of depends on which direction his um, his progress goes. I I understand that last season was disappointing, but, you know, a lot of people disappointed mm -hmm. last season. And, you know, I understand the criticism. He's not particularly fast. He's obviously not big. And obviously, if you're not big, you can't be a defenseman, according to some fans. Um, you could tell that I don't agree with that <laughs> sentiment. Um, but I'm of the opinion of if the guy had two good seasons and one bad season, mm -hmm. that maybe you should give the guy a yep. chance. <laughs> yep. You know, it's not like he had two bad seasons and then one good season. And then you're left wondering, well, did he figure it out or is he going to, you know, fall back to his uh, previous performances? Mm -hmm. I, I think Will Butcher will bounce back. And I think he's a solid, de solid defender for the left side of the defense. He gives you a good amount of offense. He's somebody who can absolutely run your power play and should be running a power play as opposed to whatever the coaches were deciding last <laughs> season. I, I think I think he's worth his money. I think he fill, I think he ends his contract, and if he does well enough, I think he gets another contract for New Jersey. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that sentiment. I think that just makes a lot of sense. Unlike the next two guys, which I'm going to lump together because they're basically in the same exact situation. And that's Connor Carrick and Dmitry Kulikov. Yeah, they're they're depth guys. You know, Carrick didn't wasn't a regular last season, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for him. I think Ty Smith or Kevin Ball takes his spot. Um, by the end of this coming season, whatever it may look like. And Kulikov was basically signed on as veteran depth to, uh, for the left side of the defense. Um, if he does well and stays healthy, he could get another contract, but it's not going to be for very much or very long. So he's another guy that I could see having his spot taken away by a younger player in the future. So I don't think either of those have very long futures. Yep. And then we move to uh, potentially longer futures in New Jersey. And one, because of his contract length, which is PK Subban, uh, he has two more years remaining at the 9 million price point, uh, AAV price point. And uh, John, you believe that he is not going to be a devil for much longer, or at the very least, not until the end of this contract. 
No, and I we've talked about this a while back, so I'll refresh everybody's memory uh, memories here. This is my hot take on PK Subban. If you go to the details of his contract, this past season he made ten million dollars in total salary. That's right. Last <laughs> season was a ten million dollar season for for Mr. Subban. Uh, needless to say, he's eating well. Um, this season and next season, his contract structure changes dramatically. His base salary, which is the salary he will get throughout the season, is only $2 million. Now, that's still a good amount of money. I wish I got $2 million. I'm sure you wish you had $2 million. Mm-hmm. For, but from an NHL professional perspective, $2 million isn't very much. Um, most of his salary is coming through a signing bonus, which is $6 million. And if I understand things correctly, I'm not positive because I, and this may be part of the financial discussions that are the PA and the NHL are having right now is do you pay out the signing bonuses for 2020, 2021 now, or do you wait until mm-hmm. there's a season? But the point is, is that Subban will get $6 million up front from the Devils, and then he only makes $2 million in salary. Now, because he still has one more year on his contract, then you know that doesn't make him tradable. But next season, the 2021-2022 season, the moment he gets his signing bonus, this means a team could have P.K. Subban, while his cap hit will be very mm-hmm. high at $9 million still, you only physically have to pay him the rate of two for the $2 million season. So if you're a team that doesn't like to spend money, but you need to meet the cap floor, and your team is, I don't know, based in Ontario, <laughs> maybe even the capital of the uh-huh. country, playing in a suburb of the capital of the country, and you and you have a reputation for wanting these types of contracts where you have a high cap hit but low actual money to pay out because heaven forbid you spend your money on your hockey team that you own, perhaps you would be interested in acquiring this player. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because they also chose to take a defenseman super early, so it's not like it's someone that they're going to rely on to be their their guy. It's, it, they have other guys there, and Subban represents that opportunity to reach that cap floor, which you're talking about. And I, the deal... I guess makes sense. It's just a matter of do they even want him? It's even if it's just to meet the cap floor. He had a terrible season. He he was not very good, and uh, you know every Devils fan is hoping that he can bounce back and show at oh, least yeah, some flashes of what he once was. Yeah, that and that's obviously the big wild card here. Is if Subban repeats his performance of last season, nobody's going to be trade for him. Not even Ottawa. Not even actually Ottawa is my only choice here. I was about to say Arizona, but they're currently capped out. Yeah. I can't see how they're going to f- cram in a nine million dollar <laughs> cap hit just just to say, hey, we have PK Subban. Um, but yeah, uh, Subban needs to absolutely do better. But I do not think he stays as a devil um, for very long. I mean, I like. I mean, he's a good guy, but this is the NHL. You don't. We don't care if you're a good guy. We want you to be a good mm-hmm. hockey player. And he, right now he's not a good hockey player. And moving on to someone who only recently became a devil, uh, namely this offseason, we have Ryan Murray, who has one year left. That's the year that the Devils are essentially paying for with that trade. And this is someone who's 27 years old with a good record as a defensive defenseman. But the problem is his injury history. So the Devils yeah. kind of, you know, they're not really taking much of a risk by having him for one year, but... He he's someone I genuinely don't know if they'll keep around. It just really all depends on this one season. Like it's not like they have a breadth of his history in New Jersey to work with here. Is his like his history was only with one team, whereas Subban went you know Montreal, Nashville stayed pretty successful, and then something fell off the wagon with the rest of the Devils when he came here. But it, it Murray's an interesting case because by all accounts he should be very good. He just doesn't play all season. Right. And unfortunately, as cruel as this is going to sound, if you don't play, you're worth yeah. nothing. <laughs> and now, granted, it's not like Murray is going out and getting injured on yeah. purpose. Like, you know, it's not his fault. He has back problems and knee problems and so forth. But even if even if uh, Murray returns and plays all however many games the NHL is going to play this season for the Devils and plays well, it still would be very risky to sign him to anything long term because, um, you know, yes, even if he played a full season with the New Jersey mm-hmm. Devils uh, in this coming season, you, the history doesn't go yeah. away. It's not like the back magically healed and the knees are magically repaired. 
um, and, and you you know you can have confidence he can give, give you 60 to 80 games in a, in a regular season. Um, so, I mean, it would still be a big risk. Um, I mean, I have no problems with the Devils in this current situation taking a chance on Murray, especially since, you know, one of Shero's biggest failings was never finding a green replacement. Um, but, you know... I, I think Murray may be one and done pending his, his results. And even if he does play well and play all the games, I, I imagine that other teams may be interested and want to sign him to a much more lucrative contract. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the other possibility. He's a, he's a UFA after this contract. So, you know, if he's healthy, the rest of the league may go, huh, we could use a guy like Murray. It's easy to swallow letting him go if that, if it does come to that, because as we talked about with the top 2525 list, the Devils have some nice young prospect defensemen on the way who, you know, they, they have to earn their spot on the team, but also it would be nice if there wasn't such a log jam uh, for them in terms of how many defensemen they have to go through, which right now, as I'm looking at Cat Friendly, the Devils have six, and none of those were on our top 25 under 25, but we know at least Ty Smith will be competing for a position, and they have some other guys in their pipeline worth trying out. So uh, it really depends on a lot of factors, not just including Murray's health. It also depends on the development track of these prospects as well. Right. Absolutely. If Walsh or Ball or Akatyuk, you know, make a leap for lack of mm-hmm. a better term, you know, that makes, that changes how you feel about these defensemen in their long-term history with the Devils. In fact, I would go as far as to say, Dan, is that there's really only one other devil that actually has a shot of finishing out his contract with the Devils other than mm-hmm. Butcher. And uh, that is going to be Damon Severson. That's right. Now, this is going to be a bit a real test for Fitzgerald, Dan, because he's 26, so very good age. Mm-hmm. Severson has been relatively healthy throughout his entire career. Um, I mean, you know, he played all 82 games in 2018-19. I believe he played all the games for the Devils last season before the pause. Um you know, the fewest amount of games he's played in his entire career was in his rookie season with 51. And I'm trying to remember. I don't know if that was so much an injury as opposed to it was a call up. I'm sure someone in the comments will correct us or correct me mm-hmm. rather. Um, but the point is, is that he's healthy. He's under the age of 30 and he's a right sided defenseman. Yeah, which means he was the subject and, of every trade rumor uh, linked to the exactly. Devils. <laughs> exactly. If you want the Devils to make a quote unquote big deal expect Severson to be involved in that big deal because his contract is remarkably favorable. I understand that his reputation as a defenseman isn't very good. I think more fans remember him accidentally putting a goal in his own net uh, against Toronto <laughs> as opposed to any of the good things he did, but he legitimately was the team's best defenseman. Yeah, I mean, season, anyone who chooses to focus which... on that is very much nitpicking, and there's been plenty of Devils games in general where they're flipping pucks over Corey Schneider's, you know, shoulder. Everyone loved Andy Green, but he definitely scored on him at least once in that Anaheim game. So it's it's a, oh. you know, it's what you remember. And Severson, you look at the numbers, and he was definitely the Devils MVP on defense last year. Right. Now, again, given that the Devils were a bad hockey team and a bad defensive team, um, that's kind of that's not exactly great praise. You still want to be the best, even if you're on a bad team. The man with one eye is the king in the Valley of the Blind. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, but he's got two more years after this one on a cap hit with just under four point two million, which is very, very favorable for a right sided defenseman. Uh, especially one who's under the age of 30 and still has more than enough gas in the tank. And honestly, I think I get the sense that if you put him on another team um, in another system, you know, he might flourish and show more of the good that his stats, uh, his, you know, on ice rates suggest than maybe some of the things that you and I may remember. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, um, given that the devils, you know, have some good prospects in their system, I don't think, there, you know, if you're going to move Subban and you don't have any hope for Carrick having a future, I don't think the Devils will want to move Severson unless they're getting a defenseman in right. return. Or they're going to spend a lot of stupid money to sign him one off the free agent market in a season or two. So I think Severson will finish out his contract. And this could be a really interesting discussion, similar to some of the ones we're going to have about the forwards in a little bit, of whether or not you want to extend him, keep him, etc. Because he'll be, by the end of his contract, around 29, 30 years old. And then you have to ask the question, 
you know, he's been a good soldier through a lot of bad Devils hockey. Hopefully the Devils are better in three right. seasons. Uh, want, I'm sure, you know, at that point, he may want to be a part yeah, of he, he won't want to wait around if it doesn't improve or be on track to improve at least. So he does get agency in this. It's not like he's going to be a restricted free agent any longer. So um, th- they have to make it worth his while and he has to make it worth their while in short. Exactly. Yeah, basically. But I think if you ask me now, Dan, as of uh, December 2020, I think he finishes out the contract. Mm -hmm. I I think the Devils will keep him. I don't think Fitzgerald will get the deal that he would want that make him say, yeah, I have to trade Sanderson. And let's move on to the forwards. And a lot of the forwards we've already mentioned in the top 25 or 25, which is an interesting place to be for the Devils, um, because it's rare that they're in this position with their forward core. It's usually a lot of stopgaps, uh, stopgap free agents brought in to uh, kind of stop the ship from completely sinking. But it's rare that you have so many young prospects in the pipeline and set to play major roles this year. However, there are definitely some players who will be playing major roles that are over that 25 year threshold. And one of them is Miles Wood. And Miles Wood is very interesting. Miles Wood, if he scored on maybe like a third of the opportunities that he could have scored on that a lot of other players would have, he'd be a lot more valuable to the Devils than he currently is. Absolutely. It's one of the remarkable stats, and I guess also speaks to what you just described, is um, that Miles Wood was a leader on the Devils. He was one of the top uh, guys on the team at five-on-five hockey for individual expected goals. So basically, the expected goals model looks at all the shots that the player has taken, and based on where they were taken, the type of shot that was taken, assigns a value to it, and then basically comes with an estimated amount of how many goals he should have scored. Well, Miles Wood had the third highest individual expected goals value on the team last season he scored just under it um with only nine uh he was expected to score 10 now what's notable is that the two guys ahead of him were coleman and palmary and the expected goals model tends to undercount a little bit it tends to be more conservative since you know most shots are stopped but coleman outproduced his expected goals model he scored 16 with the devils and he was expected to score 11 point Seven. I know you can't score 0.7 of a goal, but that that interprets that as he should have scored 11 or 12, <laughs> 11 to 12, and he scored four more than that. Palmieri, he should have scored only about 10. He scored 13 and five on five. So to a degree, and, and number four on the list was Nico. Uh, he his expected goal amount was 8.7, and he scored 11. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is that to your point, yeah, Wood's value would be a lot more clear if he managed to finish a lot of the legitimately good chances he created for himself. He just had trouble finishing, and as such, it puts a damper on his whole game because if he's not scoring, Dan, what is he giving you? It's it's true, and it really – he's someone who could benefit majorly from any of the centers taking a big step. I mean, he likely won't be playing with Nico Heischer, but if Jack Hughes takes a big step, he's someone who – you know, as someone who gets himself open for opportunities, Jack Hughes should be putting him in that position, uh, you know, once he adjusts to the pace of the league and the size of the league a little more. But Jack Hughes will be able to put him in positions where he can do that volume shooting that he likes, where he can uh, score goals and be more valuable inherently. Or even if Pavel Zaka takes a step and he plays on a checking line with Wood, then it becomes much more valuable if that checking line can actually score. And so his role could become much more significant. It, it all depends depends on if he can, you know, put the goal scoring part of things together because he can fly around the ice. He's like a wrecking ball out there, but he doesn't really do It's kind of aimless. It's like someone took a wrecking ball and didn't really aim at the building. They just kind of, you know, pulled it back and let go and saw what happened. Well, I, I totally agree with that analogy, but I completely disagree with, you know, his value. I don't think the problem is the center. I think the problem with Miles Wood is, as as you just described, he's an aimless player. Like, this is a guy that, as, as much as I just said that he created a lot of good chances for him, he'll also take a lot of really stupid shots. Like, he'll take the 40-footer from the sidewall, which is, like, a terrible place to shoot from. Like, you very rarely score from there. But Miles Wood figures, I'm open. I'm going to take the shot. Like, this is a guy that I really wish in his uh, in his younger developing years that somebody, and maybe somebody did, for all I know, sat him down and said, son, you can't just be firing 50-footers. <laughs> like, you're way too good. <laughs> you're way too good of a skater and way too good of a, 
you know, a presence to do that. And and the sad thing is that as much as he flies around, it's all straight lines. You know, get him get Miles Wood turning. He ain't so fast. And more importantly, if you if you ask him to back check, he's not that fast at that either. He's not very good defensively, which he's a winger. That's not as big, but a part of the reason why the Devils had so many problems uh, at five on five for the past five seasons, it seems like, is that, you know, you, you get past the power lines and then you start running into players who legitimately don't know or aren't that interested in, you know, helping out on defense. And it's sad because I feel like, you know, with Wood's speed, if you coached him up the right way, he could become a penalty killer, maybe not your primary penalty killer, but a guy who can, you know, generate that shorthanded opportunity and maybe score one of them. Um, I, I feel like Wood is one of these guys that has really nice tools that are, you know, that a, a fan can appreciate. But I can imagine as a coach or a GM, you just wonder, he's kind of a round peg for a square hole. Well, here. So, so just considering the center argument, I, I see what you're saying. It's For me, it's like the matter of the center exuding that intelligence and that hockey IQ and, and giving an inherent sense of wood and letting him know where to be, I, which I think comes with more experience as an NHL center or someone who is you know, quarterbacking a line can give Wood more direction than uh, it's been kind of empty for him. So he can have the degree of freedom to be aimless, but he doesn't really have a central focal. He, he didn't really have much of a central focal point. Like he was, he was placed on some lines that were meant to emphasize his speed, but they're not lines that really, they're not lines that really directed him as to where to go. Right. Well, I could definitely agree. He definitely needs direction mm -hmm. uh, because because, again, he's been too free of a player and not just free as a player in terms of, you know, he, he doesn't commit on defense nearly enough as he should. Uh, his He shoots way too many bad shots in addition to the good shots that he's creating. He also continually is among the devil's penalty leaders because, again, he wants to be a physical force out there. And I think he's being asked to be a, be one. And while he draws a lot of penalties, which is a good thing, um, you know. You know, I, I sometimes wonder with what some of the ones he takes are like, bro, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> settle down and then and, and just focus on your game instead of, um, you know, just trying to be a tough guy out there. Like, you know, I, I'm really curious just to see, you know, how Lindy Ruff and Mark Recchi deal with this guy, because I still feel like you can get a good, useful bottom six winger mm -hmm. here or middle six winger here. Um, you know, he's only 25. He's not super old. He's not going to suddenly learn any new tricks, but you can definitely refine his game and he can be way more useful than he mm -hmm. has been. And he doesn't um, have to play as big a role because the Devils just acquired a guy by the name of Andreas Johnson to to yes. play more up the lineup so Wood doesn't have to fill the first line spot in the case that Paul Mary gets injured, as has happened in the past. And so Johnson's uh, a pretty easy one to dissect. The Devils just traded Anderson yeah. for him. He's got three years left. He's not going anywhere. The Devils actually have no. uh, very high hopes for him as a uh, scoring complement to either Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes. Th this one's straightforward. Yeah, Janssen's easy. Wood, I feel like, could be expansion. Yeah, rate. that's that's definitely possible. <laughs> that, that's that's how something I see to it. consider for next year as well as Seattle will draft their team and hopefully not go to the Stanley Cup final in year one. But you know what? It was still super <laughs> yes. fun. It just felt bad to watch from the sides. And that that's a me problem. That's not a Seattle problem or a Vegas problem. So let's talk about a problem that Tom Fitzgerald Three problems, has. namely. Well, I, I think it's two problems. Oh, okay, two problems. We'll go well, with Well, let's three. start with uh, Nikita Gusev, who just welcomed in another Gosling to this world, according to his Instagram. So congratulations to him and the Gusev family. Uh, but from a devil's perspective, he is someone who started the season very slowly and really rose to the occasion as it wore on and really displayed a lot of the qualities that the devils were looking for when they signed him from Russia or exactly. traded for him, I it guess. Was a well, they technically traded for him because they, you know, Las Vegas yeah. had the rights, but, you know, Vegas didn't really do right. anything with him. I, I don't know what the situation is in retrospect. But, yeah, this was a classic case of well, why, why do we what do we mean when we say that players have to acclimate to the NHL? Well, you saw it in real time with Gusev because he was straight up terrible in that first month of the mm -hmm. season. You know, he, he was a guy that I, I hate to use this analogy, but he was trying to speak Russian in a room full of English only yeah. speakers like. You know, you, you could tell he was trying to communicate, 
but it wasn't working. But eventually he learned enough English uh, to communicate. And, and you could you started seeing more of the value of him and why the Devils traded for him and why he was a sought-after uh, guy to bring over from Russia after scoring a whole lot of points with Scott St. Petersburg for the, from the previous three seasons. And he ended up finishing his first NHL season with 44 points in 66 games on a really bad mm-hmm. Devils team. Um, he legitimately was a top-six winger. You know, that was the expectation, and he, he eventually got there. So credit to him for getting there. Um, unfortunately, you know, he's in this weird spot here because he's 28 years old. He'll turn 29 next July. Um, the Devils will obviously have him for this season, but the big question is, while he doesn't have a lot of NHL mileage on his body, he's still a guy about to turn 30 who's played quite a lot of Russian professional hockey. And while Russian professional hockey may not be as physically demanding in terms of number of games played, in terms of the schedule, um, in terms of the physicality, it's still a guy turning 30. And, and as we are learning more with analytics and, and just in general points is that as you get older, the body starts breaking mm-hmm. down. So it's a legitimate question of how much mileage is on Gusev's body um, to the point where, you know, do you trust him to play a long time in the NHL? And the sad thing is that, you know, he showed enough in his first season to show that, yeah, he can be this player. But the question is, for how mm-hmm. long? And Fitzgerald is going to have to figure out, A, you know, how long is that? And B, does Gusev want to stay in mm-hmm. New Jersey? Because he may have, what you know, his first NHL season was on a really bad Devils team. And as, as much as he just welcomed another child into the world, you know, he could hit the market in next season and have a lot of suitors. Mm-hmm. For a lot of a lot of good money, money to help pay for that. Child it game. seems like his teammates love him. I mean, he's got a modified no trade clause right now in this contract, so he'd have to waive anything that happened before this year's deadline, or waive that if he's going to a team that's not one of the eight pre-approved ones. Uh, if he was to be traded this right. deadline, that was something that was discussed last deadline as well. But I think they should keep him around. Honestly, I think he's a uh, he showed that he while the physicality of the NHL was a big adjustment, just the concept of adjustment is something that you learn through professional experience. And that professional experience in Russia allowed him to make the adjustments he needed to make rather than, you know, taking a few years to grow into his body and then make those adjustments. Absolutely. And to that extent, you know, that's why I'm, I'm kind of hoping he is retained because I really do think he's going to be one of these players that could really help the devils along through the next couple of years, similar to how Kyle Palmieri helped make the Devils competitive mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a point. I have to say to a point, given the last four mm-hmm. seasons, but uh, <laughs> keep them competitive to a point. Because you do need to stay competitive, even if you're aiming to not be a very good team. Um, you know, you, for the purposes of the fans and, and also for purposes of the young players that you're developing, you know, you don't want to have you know, scrubs with, with your top players. You want to have players who can finish the plays, players who can create the plays, players who can help push the play, go in the right mm-hmm. direction and, and, you know, support support the cause here. I mean, we, 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 you know, I hate to use this term, but you want a winning culture. You don't want a culture of, eh, we're not expected to be good anyway, so mm-hmm. who cares? You want players to excel and want to excel and, and aim to excel, and having Gusev around helps with that. So, you know, um, I wouldn't necessarily say sign him to a six or seven year <laughs> deal, uh, but you know if he's interested in two to three yeah. years at a same at a similar amount of money what he's currently getting, he's getting an average uh, rate of four point five million. Sure, why not? You know, I I take that gamble. Um, if he's demanding anything up, up upwards of six and he wants that six year contract, then I start you know furrowing my brow and twiddling my thumbs and, and you're just going, Hmm, a right, lot. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I start, I start questioning if it's, yeah, then it. he becomes our next player on this list. Travis Zajac. <laughs> well, to be fair, Zajac has been the very definition of a, um, solid hand here. I mean, when he was drafted, the hope was that he would be your, you know, do everything pretty well, but he'll never be your main top center. And that turned out to be his his whole career. You know, he's been a very good player. He's going to hit the thousand game mark with the Devils, if assuming the NHL plays at least nine games next season, and Zajac is there for nine yeah. games. Um, he's at nine. And he rarely right misses games too. He's someone no, he, who has a he, he, pretty he, good durability up to him. Exactly, he is the ideal of what you want in a player. You never have to, like, except for the one season in, in 2011, 2012, where he had the uh, torn yep. pectoral muscle. 
you know, you could you could set your watch to this guy showing up and playing. Like this guy was almost always going to be on the ice and always having a pretty decent game. Uh, but hit, but his long contract, his eight-year, forty-six million dollar contract that he signed back in twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. is coming to a close with this season. Um, he's got a no trade clause, but you know, I, I hate to do this because you know. <laughs> With you know, as we've learned with analytics and as a fan, you know, you don't want to bring in the personal stuff as much as you can because when you start doing that, that's when you start making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see the dollar. No, player. no one at, the, at, at this point, you know, let the man, you know, you, you rarely have a mm-hmm. lifer with one organization, you rarely have that. Let Zajac at least play out this con as long as he <laughs> takes a reduced rate to do it. I'm happy to. Happy to support that because for what he's gotten paid over the last couple of years, you can argue that he was very, uh, you know, overvalued contract wise. When the Devils signed him to that deal, obviously they didn't know exactly how he would project, but it seemed pretty suspect even at the time to give him somewhere around six. It's five point seven five million AAV, but it's it's still like a lot for someone who, by the roster the Devils have now is at best a third line center it's it's someone who you know has given so many years of great service to the devils and someone who is really beloved by the fan base but it's it's a matter of let this contract play out and then if he's willing to take less sure go for it and uh, let him be a lifer but if not then um, good luck somewhere else because there's a lot of centers crawling up the depth chart very quickly absolutely and again the benefit of the other benefit of zajac is that you could play him mm-hmm. anywhere like you know, he he isn't complaining that he's a third line center. You, you could put him on a power play. He's actually fairly okay at being that middle guy in the one three one setup, which is not an easy position for a center to play, um, since you're not necessarily going to get the puck a lot. Uh, you're you're there just to be a you know a to tall draw guy. the attention. <laughs> well, not just be a tall guy, but just be you know among the among the bodies and say, hey, penalty kill. You can't just you can't ignore me. I'm in the slot. You know, he's fine with doing that, whereas sticking a guy like he sure or he was there is almost like you're kind of wasting their talents. Like those are guys that need to have the puck on their stick. Um, and Zajac is obviously a very good penalty killer and very good defensively on a team that doesn't have a lot of good forwards like Wood, for example, that, that could play defense. Um, but again, of course, he's getting older. He's now uh, goodness. He is 35. He's going to turn 36 in May. So. You know, I, I'm of the opinion of let let the contract pay, play out. Don't don't entertain offers for him, and see what he wants mm-hmm. to do. If he's willing to come back for a million or two for another season or two, I might be okay with it. Well, um, if he wants to join Lou Lamarillo's retirement home over on Long Island, he can do that as well. Well, he might be rejuvenated on the island, well, so who knows? You know, I don't I don't want the Islanders to stay good, Dan. They're they're kind of in the double well, way. It's just Green and uh, Schneider. It's the uh, the other devils um veterans joining them well well the hot rumor has always been winnipeg because he is from winnipeg manitoba canada like you know chris jericho Mm -hmm. um you know but uh you know i don't know why winnipeg would want to take on this contract and i don't know if why he would want to go back there anyway it's almost like the old martin bernard oh is he gonna come to montreal like no he's not it's uh... he 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 actively avoided you same with vincent lecavier shut up He's not returning home. <laughs> not everyone does it like but in no, the NBA. Just... And so on. And, you know, we get to, yeah. I think those two, at least, Gusev and Zajac are on kind of opposite ends of their time with the Devils. Um, I, I, The middle name here is what has been the hardest one uh, all offseason to figure out and for future seasons. But it's Kyle Palmieri who actually did come home, not by his choice, but the no, the Devils, yeah, the Devils trade for him and the Montville native has been, I mean, he's been spectacular since the Devils acquired him. He's been everything and more of what they asked of him. He is a potential captain. He's a leader in the community in New Jersey. He does have one year left on his contract where he will probably be demanding a raise for how productive he's been over the last couple of seasons for New Jersey. And does this make sense for New Jersey? Well, it really depends on how his aging curve goes. It really depends on how much value he can provide being one of the scoring wingers required for these top two centers. And even in their worst years, he still manages to put up points and put and score goals. So he's someone that it's going to be very hard to part with, but alternatively it's someone that easily fetches the most trade value at the moment. And at the same time, he's one of these players that unfortunately for Fitzgerald, 
he could age very mm-hmm. badly. <laughs> like, thankfully for the Devils, at least, you know, he's been relatively healthy. Like, he'll get nicked up here and there. He'll miss a couple games for, like, minor mm-hmm. things. But for the most part, he's been pretty consistent with the Devils. He's played at least 62 games with them. Uh, he played 74 last uh, in 2018-19. He played 65 out of 69 last season. His first two seasons, he played 82 and 80. So, you know, the Devils have been seeing a lot of Palmieri. He's been active. And again, you know, the expectation is, is he going to be a top six scorer? Well, he has at least 24 goals in each of the five seasons he's had with the Devils, even with the time lost due to right. injury. Uh you know, had the Devils, you know, been had had we been able to finish out 2020, I'm sorry, 2019, 2020, um, he had a shot at scoring 30 and had a shot at getting to 50 points. It would be tough, but it was possible. He finished at 45 and 25 uh, goals, um, which would have been for the fourth time he's done it with New Jersey. So instead, he's done it three times out of five uh, with New Jersey. So. Um, he's one of those guys that as Nico and Jack get better, he'll definitely benefit because he's definitely your shooter. He is your guy that you feed the puck and you expect him to fire and he will fire. And a lot of the time it will go in. But the problem is that those players tend to age really badly because um, if the legs start going, he's not going to get to the spots where he needs to get too quick enough to get the shots off. If, if it's an issue with, let's say, his core or his back, you know, that in general will just hinder what he does. Um you know, Palmieri has never been a particularly great defensive player, but, you know, you're not paying him to play defense. You're paying him to shoot the puck and score goals, which he has yeah. been doing. But but the concern is if he's not able to get a lot of shots off and he's not able to score a lot of goals, you're left with a pretty hef- potentially hefty contract with a hefty length to not give you very much value. And that's the mm-hmm. hard part. That's that's the nightmare with Fitzgerald. That this guy, the minute he turns like 32 – um, you know, he will, you know, his game will start declining rapidly. And then it's like, great. Now you're stuck with this potentially 5 million plus contract for the next five to seven years. And you're not going to get anything for it. And no one's going to trade for it because it's that terrible of a contract. If, if the devils do hand out what seems to be the required, you know, veteran leadership contract at, at a certain point when it's a few years down the line, he's not scoring as much. I'm okay with it being Paul Mary just because of what he does mean to this team at this point. This team has completely shifted over from the, I mean, there's one remaining name from the last time they had any sort of, you know, real shot at winning the Stanley cup. Uh, and Paul Mary is that representation of the bridge into the new era, but he's still managing to do so while being productive. So if you slap the C on him, give him a couple of years and, you know, even if the aging curve hurts badly, it, it's still not something that will sink them considering how much room they have now and how young their roster is shaping up to be. And if it has to right. be one guy, I'd rather it be him. Right. And and this, there's the other side of this that we really, I haven't talked about yet and you haven't talked about yet is that Palmieri is, you know, could easily say, you know what, I want to test the market. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never had a chance to test the market mm-hmm. before. You know, the Devils traded for his contract and then signed him to a good deal in 2016. You know, his five-year, 23.25 million deal that he that is about to end after this season. Um, you know, he may be saying, "Look, I'm turning 30 in February. Literally, February 1st, he turns 30. You know, how many opportunities is he's going to be able to command a lot of money on the market unless he signs like a one-year deal with the De- a one-year extension with the Devils." And I'm just brief, you know, quickly checking, you know, what the free agent market's looking like for um, uh, for the following season. So give me a moment here just to do mm-hmm. that, because I just realized this. I probably should have looked this up ahead of time. So I apologize to all the leaders out there. Um, but, you know, that's a you know, that's a class where, you know, obviously Taylor Hall will be available. But a lot of the guys that are looking to have their contracts end after 2021 are solidly in their mid thirties. And so a 30 year old like Paul Mary with, you know, five straight seasons of 20 plus goals, one season of getting to 30 hits the market. He's going to be very attractive. Like a lot of teams are going to call him up and offer him a lot of money to join their team, maybe more money than the devils are willing to offer. And that's, that's the real tricky point here is that we're not talking about a Zajac where he's at the end of his career or a Gusev where yeah, he could hit the market, but you know who knows how many of it, how many suitors are going to give him a lot of money. Whereas the Devils wouldn't probably give him the best deal. Palmieri could absolutely hit the market and command a ton mm-hmm. of money. 
and either force the Devils to give him even more, which will get to the point where we just discussed of it's a bad contract and it's going to kill yeah. you, or you let him go somewhere else and and he helps out somebody else and the Devils are now bereft of a right winger and we're hoping Holtz is willing to jump to the NHL early. And yeah, that's another thing. Holtz's, you know, path and projection has a lot to do with this as well because right now the Devils are really relying on Paul Mary to be their top scoring winger. They they're really He is their like, top scoring winger. And, and like they need him to be because <laughs> it seems that there's no one else they can trust just yet. <laughs> you know, Gusev's uh, early here, and he seems to be more of a setup guy than a scorer. And Janssen ideally could be a scorer, but he hasn't really proven it to the extent or nearly the extent that Paul Mary has. And so they still need to rely on him until Holtz is ready. And and that in itself merits a lot of, of consideration for him. I think he's just in a very weird spot, and I don't think they're going to trade him, but he's, like I said, he's easily the person they could trade to get the most for. So it really depends on if this se- first of all, if the season does happen, uh, which is not a certainty by any means, but when it does happen, how is he performing and does it look like it's sustainable? And that's a lot of hard decisions for Tom Fitzgerald to make. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's uh, every name we need to go through in terms of the Devils over 25, just to answer uh, that question. Yeah, so very good question for Bill. And and again, the Palmieri case is, is the most difficult. I guess to finally put a bow on it, just to you know, put a button on it and a bow and some other B letter accessories. Um, I think brooch. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I think if Paul Mary's willing to do like, he'll, he'll, he'll want more money, but he's willing to do a two year contract. I would say fine overpay him for two years and then reassess when he's 30 about to turn 33 and then go Mm -hmm. from there. This way you at least get the value. you, You can get more value of his goal scoring and then you can, finally assess whether or not Holtz is ready or maybe somebody else is ready or you acquired somebody else who could fill in a top, top uh, right wing spot. Um, that, that would be my play, but I have a suspicion Palmieri may not be willing to do a two year contract. Yeah. He may want more money, more security and, you know, good luck Tom Fitzgerald. Cause this could be a deal that helps define how your reign as a GM is going to go. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is something that, I'm sure he's thinking about a lot, and hopefully he's thinking about that after he thinks about what Jesper Bratt and Mackenzie Blackwood's contracts will look like, uh, because those should be addressed sometime relatively soon. But um, yeah, we'd love that question. You know, if you guys have more questions for us to answer, we're happy to do so. And again, we're we're all just sitting here waiting for news on any front. So be on the lookout for anything available there. And when the start of the season is to uh, be played, when training camp starts, we'll have more about the training camp battles. Potentially we'll have more about prospects coming back, fighting for a spot who's been impressing so on and so forth. So until that happens, keep sending in the questions um, and we're happy to answer them. We'll find some stuff to talk about in the interim, uh, just in case that doesn't happen. Uh, But That all being said, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Garden State of Hockey. Uh, That's been our time so far, and we'll catch you guys either next week or the one after or whenever we know more. Let's go Devils! Go Devils! Devils!